0: Our scripture reading this evening is from the book of Genesis, chapter 5. We'll be thinking about Enoch uh, later on this evening, and he's mentioned uh, near the end of this uh, chapter on the genealogy of Adam. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. And the days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died When Seth had lived 105 years he fathered Enosh, Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years he fathered Kenan, Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. For God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived, after he fathered Lamech, 782 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Turn with me this time to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 5 and 6, where we further read about Enoch. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, but he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Benjamin Franklin was an American statesman who lived during the 18th century. In a letter to a friend, He wrote, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Well, there are exceptions to every rule, and with respect to death, it is inescapable for all, except except for those who are alive when the Lord returns. Believers at that point in time will not experience death. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Referring to your Lord's return, Paul writes, Then we, are, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. Apart from that generation of believers, there were two other people in the course of human history who did not experience death? One was Elijah, who was taken into heaven directly by a whirlwind. And the other uh, is the character that is before us this evening, this man called Enoch. He first appears in the biblical narrative in that chapter that we read from Genesis, chapter 5, and verses 20 to 24. And in the last three verses, we read about Enoch that he walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now, it's mentioned in uh, two other parts of Scripture, uh, in Luke chapter 3, verse Thirty-seven. he is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And then in Jude, verses 14 and 15, he is described as a preacher, one who proclaimed that the Lord would come in judgment upon the wicked, as he did in the days of uh, his great-grandson, Noah. And then there is this passage uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, where Enoch is listed among the great heroes of faith from the Old Testament. And so that's where we begin to think about, first of all, the commencement of Enoch's faith, the commencement of Enoch's faith. Now, with this first heading, I'm making the assumption that Enoch wasn't born believing in God. And that assumption is based on fact Because after the fall of our first parent, Adam, the Shorter Catechism informs us, which I believe is a good summary of Scripture, all mankind descending from him by ordinary generation, and that word ordinary is in there because Jesus Christ is the exception, sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. And so that admits of no exception. And the Apostle Paul summed it up, Uh, when he said, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means that Enoch was estranged from God from the moment of his conception. That means that Enoch came into this world a sinner, hostile to God. He was born, in the words of Ezekiel, with a heart of stone that was unresponsive to God. A heart that was cold and callous with respect to the lavish provision that God had made in nature. And also a heart that was unresponsive to the lavish provision that God had made in grace. Salvation through a promised Messiah, the seed of the woman. But a change had obviously taken place in Enoch's life a change that transformed him into a man who walked with God, a man who pleased God, transformed him into a man of faith that uh, he might be listed in Hebrews chapter 11. So what brought about the change? Well, initially it was nothing that Enoch did because the Bible tells that by ourselves we are incapable of bringing about a spiritual change. The Bible informs us that as a consequence of sin entering into the world, we come into this world spiritually dead. And dead things don't do much. In fact, they don't do anything. If we see a dead bird lying on the footpath, uh, we can't expect it to fly because it won't fly. We can't expect it to sing because it won't sing. It is dead. It's unresponsive. So, man comes into this world dead, spiritually dead, but what man cannot do, God can. And with reference to the Christians at Colossae, Paul wrote, And you who were dead in your transgressions, God made alive. So, we come into this world dead, but it is God who makes the difference. God makes us alive. The very same thing happened to Enoch. At some point in his childhood, or youth, God made him alive in a spiritual sense. In New Testament language, it was then that he was born again. It was then that he entered into a relationship with God in heaven. It was then that he knew God as his father. It was then when his life of faith began. Now when did that happen in relation to the 365 years, of the time that he spent on earth? Well, we can't be certain. The Genesis account gives us some information, but it is not definitive. Verse 21 of Genesis 5, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. and Then it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So the verse makes it clear that for 300 years Enoch lived a life of faith, looking to God in heaven to be the Lord his God, and living in harmony with God's revealed will. But prior to his son Methuselah's birth, he may also have walked with God for some years. That is not ruled in. Nor cannot be ruled out. And we can say that at some point in the earlier part of Enoch's life, by faith, he entered into a relationship with God Almighty, sometime in those first 65 years of his life. So to sum up, Enoch came into this world an enemy of God, spiritually dead, spiritually unresponsive to God, but then God broke into his life. And he became alive to God. He became a believer. He entered into a relationship with God. And so that leads to the question, what about you? God has made lavish provision for you in nature. Because you all have something to wear. And I take it that you've all had something to eat today. And you've all had something to drink. Or you wouldn't be looking so... So bright and breezy here this evening, if that was not the case. And so God has been good, and we need to respond with thanksgiving to our Father in Heaven, who makes such lavish provision in nature. But he also makes lavish provision in grace, in that he sent his Son into the world and calls all men everywhere to believe in him. Have you responded to that lavish provision? in accepting Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord, recognising that he is God's gift to a fallen humanity, that through faith in him we have life, which is life eternal. The Bible tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The commencement of Enoch's faith. Then the characteristic of Enoch's faith. We know something about the character of Enoch's faith from the verb used to describe his relationship with God. Enoch is described in Genesis as one who walked with God. He walked with God. This means that he was in a close relationship with God. It's the language of the covenant. The language of the covenant found, for example, in Revelation 21.7. I will be his God and he will be my son. And that's what God was saying about Enoch. I will be his God and he will be my son. And they walk together in harmony. And that's uh, the relationship of every believer. God will be our father and we will be his children. Now the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint, translates the Hebrew verb in Genesis chapter 5 from to walk to to please. And it is this translation, the Greek Septuagint of the Old Testament, that the writer to the Hebrews is using. It is the text that he is uh, writing from. And so as he writes about Enoch at the end of verse 5, he was commended as having pleased God. Now from this we can conclude that to walk with God is synonymous with pleasing God. And to please God is to walk in harmony with God. Now what is it that pleases God? Well, Jesus testified when he was here on earth John 8, 29, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So that's the testimony of the Son of God during his days on earth. He always did the things that were pleasing to his father. And then the Father speaks in response to the life of the Son. At his baptism he said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So there was that harmony. We could say that Jesus walked with his father and the father said I will be his God and he will be my son in a very special sense. So Jesus did everything in conformity to the mind and will of his father in heaven and in that way he pleased God. And so if we are to please God, that is what we must seek to do. That is what is meant by living the life of faith. In First John chapter 3, and verse 22, we read, that whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, gave them a challenge and tried to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is the challenge that is presented to you and me in this life. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And how are we to know? Um, we might say that uh, a man decides to, to take out a girl and he wants to do the things that please her in order to win her affections. Well, how will he know what pleases her until they enter into a convert? conversation until uh, he discovers the things that that she's interested in. Well how do we know what pleases the Lord? Well he has revealed his mind to us. We know his thinking and it's in the Bible. It is the Bible from beginning to end it's the word of the Lord and so if we're to discern what is pleasing to the Lord then we've got to read the Bible and we've got to know the Bible and uh, that means that uh, we will be uh, out at church as often as we can, where the Bible is read and where the Bible is explained, where the Bible is preached. So, so people who are faithful in their attendance, uh, week by week, uh, uh, at worship, will discover what is pleasing to the Lord through the Bible that is read and preached. And we, we ought to, to meditate on that and reflect on that, and you have your daily readings and And some of you will have family worship as well. And in these ways, we become familiar with the mind of God and we discover what is pleasing to him. But having discovered the mind of God, we've got to be careful to put it into practice because we're warned in James 1, verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So it's not just enough to discover the mind of God as revealed in Scripture, but we've got to put it into practice in our daily round of life. Enoch walked with God. Or as we read in our text in Hebrews, Enoch was commended as having pleased God. But we want to recognise that Enoch is set before us as a man of faith, first and foremost. He's listed among the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And so before we can attempt to please God in any way whatsoever, we need to be men and women of faith. For we read in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we're called first of all to believe and then to live the life of faith. To live the life of new obedience, walking in the ways of the Lord. So that was the characteristic of Enoch's faith. And we move thirdly to consider the consequence of Enoch's faith. The consequence of Enoch's faith. I remember hearing about a woman who was converted through the public reading of Genesis chapter 5. This is a chapter in God's word that tells us uh, a good deal about Enoch. But this lady's conversion was nothing whatsoever to do with Enoch. Her conversion was to do with a little verse that is repeated eight times. A little phrase that is repeated eight times in this chapter. And the little phrase is this. After these men who lived hundreds and hundreds of years, it was said, and he died. And he died. And he died. And there she was, struck for the first time in her life by the thoughts of her own mortality, that one day it would be said of her, and she died. And she recognised that she needed to make her peace with God, She needed to repent of her sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and she did. So we all need to remember that solemn fact, that we're not here forever, and that one day it will be said of us, and he died, and she died. Now, death was the experience of those who lived before Enoch and those who lived after him. But that was not the experience of Enoch. Verse 5 again, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Taken directly to heaven. That was also the experience of Elijah, as I said, many centuries later. Read of his departure from this earth in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. The normal experience of God's people is summarized in the words of the Shorter Catechism, uh, number 37. The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory their bodies, being still united to Christ do rest in the grave to the resurrection. So what was God teaching his people in the days of Enoch and in the days of Noah? Through their direct transfer from earth to heaven. Well, these incidents clearly remind us that this world is not all that there is, that there is an afterlife. For God's people, their destination is heaven. Their eternal dwelling place is the Father's house, which Jesus has gone ahead to prepare for his people. As we read in John 14, Uh, And verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus has gone on ahead, preparing a place for us in glory. So we pass through the gateway of death, Uh, so that our souls might go directly to heaven and then at the resurrection our bodies and souls are are reunited with uh, uh, all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we live at a time when very few have faith. Very few believe in God, that is in in our Western society. Very few trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. I was shocked recently when someone informed me that on the average Lord's Day, only 15% of the population of Northern Ireland attend a place of worship. I know that there are elderly people who cannot attend church as they once did. I know that there are people who are sick and confined to home or hospital. I know that on some Sabbaths there are Christians who are involved in works of necessity and mercy, like doctors and nurses, like firemen and policemen and a host of other people. But that is only a small percentage of the 85% who don't attend anywhere. And so that shows us that there's a great need for evangelism. There's a great need for reaching out to people, as you do here in Shaftesbury, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And coupled with that, we need to be bringing people along uh, to, to hear the gospel, to hear the word of God. As well as that, we need more ministers to be preaching the gospel in plain, simple, persuasive language, and applying God's word to the heart and to the conscience. Enoch was such a preacher in his day. Listen to what is said about him in Jude, fourteen and fifteen. It was also said. It was about. It was also about these that Enoch, was seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, "Behold, the Lord came with ten thousands of his holy ones, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way." and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch, noted by Jude as a preacher, a preacher of righteousness, a message of judgment to the wicked and ungodly of his generation. Now they may have laughed at him, they may have ridiculed him, they may have mocked him, they may have scorned him, but those who outlived him and were swept away by the flood in the days of his great grandson Noah, then they would have realized that God is not to be mocked. And God's judgments are still happening on the earth. A week ago there were earthquakes in California. This weekend there are floods in New Orleans. There's also occasionally tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes. These and other things remind us and all who will listen that a great and final day of judgment is approaching. So, how will it go with you at the judgment? Well, if you believe, as Enoch believed, you will be acquitted at the judgment and welcomed into heaven. At death, your soul will be welcomed into glory. And that Christ's return, your body will rise from the grave. Body and soul will be reunited and you will spend eternity with Christ in the paradise of God. To enjoy God and to glorify God in communion with all the saints forever. But if you do not believe and persist in your unbelief, then God's judgment will declare you to be an enemy of God. And the sentence will be, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Words that came from the lips of Jesus. So death is sure. God's final judgment is coming. How will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household Amen